Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. So I followed the ghost of a king with every step I tried to see beyond for trace the riverside, but You know, I think we're on episode 75 now. Okay, welcome to episode 75. This is Sasf. Stories are soul food. Not Sasfa. People say Sasfa. There's no uh. Just oh, Sasf. Okay. Sasf. 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 It ends on the F. And with the microphone, it's okay. great to say into the microphone. Yeah, edit that out, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> All right. Well, Sasf 75. Yeah, it's been three quarters of a century, and we're still here. <laughs> still. And what are we talking about today? Well, we got a question. Um, a question from someone. It wants to know how it's it's an author question. How do you stay motivated to finish a novel? <laughs> and uh, I thought we haven't talked specific writing craft, and I think we can expand this too to scripts. Well, this is chapters. craft related. I was just immediately thinking, if a man will not work, neither let him eat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought that was part of the answer. <laughs> answer. So, yeah. Okay. Are you well fed and well paid and fully employed in other areas? Right, that's a question. Then motivation is difficult. Yeah. So. Okay, so the so the answer to that is you don't really need it. Yeah, yeah. So you, the answer. It's hard for me to answer that because I've only ever been do or die. So. You mean because your family's out without a? Yeah, I never. Mortgage. I tried to get. I tried to get jobs. I tried to pick up this and that, and I did, and I had little odds and ends and i got myself up to a whacking great big three thousand dollars a month of editing and uh assisting teaching and like man we got it we got to eat we're having babies <laughs> we're like <laughs> we're having babies i bought a little ninety nine thousand dollar house and was renovating the house whenever i wasn't writing because those were the two things i knew how to do but ultimately it was okay man the cars all blew up. We need a car. Like I gotta, I gotta sell this. I gotta, I gotta sell this thing now. Mm. And then later on in life, it starts to seem crazy. And people say, "Isn't it weird that you can?" And I've said this myself. Isn't it weird that you can invent property in your head via daydreaming and then sell it to people? Yeah, like yeah, that's that is weird. weird. That yeah. is weird. I create things. I make it up, and it's a great little image of God scenario because it's as close to ex nihilo as we can get in this world uh, and then sell it yeah like here i had a thought would you like to pay me for my thought and <laughs> and people will and yeah. now years in plenty of people will be like man that's the gig if you that's that's great work if you could get it but when i look back on having a roof that won't keep the water out like just dripping on my babies mm -hmm. and can't pay the bills and had to borrow a car once a week to get to church because the car cars blew up. And I, I think about that phase of trying to be a writer. <laughs> that's a real phase. How do you how do you stay motivated? Like, oh well, water is literally coming through the ceiling onto my children. <laughs> and <laughs> we laugh now. And oh. I don't have oh, 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 <laughs> and I don't have a car. And it really was my uh it really it was my third who just graduated from high school who was the little baby and I had the, I was trying to add space in this tiny little house. And again, just, I was either writing or renovating. 
trying to add rooms and had the roof off and we had a summer as wet, wetter and colder than what we're seeing, seeing right now. We have a very wet June, but it was like record breaking rains in the summer. And I was, I would pay workers to help me and they would, which was not something I could afford to do, but they would come and take the tarp off the roof, take a couple cell phone calls and put the tarp back on and leave. And that was, that was kind of how it went then. And then I would leave and I'd have to go assist in a class. So I'd, I would have to put on a tie and leave and go teach downtown and then would come home and water had been pouring through the ceiling onto my daughter who was in her crib napping. <laughs> so, oh. so it's like, so she's screaming and, and uh, Heather's just trying to let her go to sleep and then goes up there and it's like, oh, the house is actually not keeping water out. Like water's just coming into the crib. Uh, so wow. to answer the question of how I stayed motivated or how I stay motivated now, now it's by muscle memory then, and I enjoy it obviously, but there's, it's not hard uh, to stay motivated when it's, it's your shot to uh, kill a Buffalo and put meat on the table. Yeah. So I really was, I had a very long hunter gatherer phase moving from freshly married in grad school to three quick babies to like, I can't get a job. <laughs> like, <laughs> like oh, what if I can't get a job at least that pays for this just totally exorbitant lifestyle that I had of having children. Well, or a roof that doesn't leak. That's pretty yeah. exorbitant. So then my mother-in-law was driving our hand-me-down car and got plowed by a drunk driver and he had no insurance and was arrested in the ICU with her. They were both in the ICU. She was like, she was a centimeter away from being dead. She'd leaned over to grab an Altoid when a Dodge Ram came through the driver's window and put oh. his, and hit, hit her in the temple with his fender. Oh my goodness. But she was leaning away at the time to try to get an Altoid. It was, it was an incredible wreck. Like looking at the vehicle afterwards, I couldn't believe that anyone was alive. Uh, my wife's friend was in the front passenger seat. She, she took a shard of the engine through her eyeball and, you know, it's like, it was, it was just a gnarly, wow. you know, the engine exploded shards, like shards yeah. of the motor all over the place. I mean, it was, it was gnarly. Um, so that was where the car went and, <laughs> and then he successfully fled the hospital. Uh, he was, uh, he hit her and had 50,000 cash in the, in the, in this truck and was drunk. And he flew, you know, far, but survived. They were all in the ICU and he ended up fleeing, but had no insurance. Um, so that's when we learned all about underinsured motorist <laughs> coverage. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, uh. Did he leave the 50, 50 G's behind? Um, uh, <laughs> either the police or he kept that, but they don't, it's not a thing that they just. Hand over to. Hand over to the victim. <laughs> Um, you had to, you had to invent some IP in order to receive. Yeah. So then <clears throat> we bought a car from a friend, uh, Kristen Beecham of Bullrushed Books. Um, shout out to Bullrush. Yeah. And it was trash, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. But that, I remember driving to my parents' house for a Sabbath dinner and I remember exactly where it died and I had three kids wedged in the back seat, and I was like, and there goes the transmission. And, you know, we'd bought, it was like a $400 purchase. I mean, it was one of those things. So the fact that it died was not a surprise. Um, but yeah, it was wild. And so then after that, I was like, okay, I've got three kids. I have kids who remember that. Oh, okay. Like the death of the car. 
And then, so my dad started picking us up every Saturday night for Sabbath dinner and then letting us take the car home so we could go to church in the morning. And then we'd go by the house after church and he would drop us back off, you know, small town. So it wasn't a ton of driving actually. But uh, from there I sold a book and actually I sold four. And that's, that was the moment where it's like, that's where we were living the time water coming through the roof, no vehicles, uh, you know? Yeah. And then I discovered how long it takes for a publishing house to send the check, oh. which is a long time. <laughs> <laughs> you can only email them so many times. Yeah. Before. And it was so, so weird. And, and it was a four book deal and it was great. And I later on would learn about how taxes will kick you in the head. And they're like, specifically designed to murder authors and anybody who works on advances. But, you know, I, I had lots of lessons ahead, but at the time it was like, we have hit the promised land, um, called a friend who had car dealerships in Maryland and purchased a Tahoe and that he had bought, purchased at auction and gave us a great deal on it. And so it was like a, you know, a Tahoe with 20,000 miles on it coming on, you know, coming across the country to us. And as we waited and waited, uh, we kept borrowing a car once a week. So That's anyway, fine. this is a long digression into how do you stay motivated? <laughs> yeah. Uh, how does one stay motivated? Well, having consequences is fantastic. Yeah. You know, having responsibilities and consequences. And it's really difficult when you are in a situation where you're, you're trying to write out of some form of self-expression or because you think you're a songbird who truly needs to sing but you actually have a very fruitful life and you have a job and you're putting food on the table and there's absolutely no pressure for you to, you know, to do it. So yeah. if you're looking to build a better life for your people, you, they need stories. You know, you have a high cultural vision and you're, ur you're urgent. You want to be in the fight. I think you can stay motivated by keeping perspective on why it is you're doing what you're doing and realize that the selfish motivations are the weakest. So truly selfish motivations will fade. And you'll struggle as soon as it's hard because it's only yourself you're letting down. Yeah. And we let ourselves down all the time. Oh, Actually, yeah. we're, we're quite comfortable with. Oh, yeah. You excuses. set a deadline for yourself and you're the boss and you're the employee. Like, mm, you have to be a unique kind of troubled human to, <laughs> to, to stick to those. To stick to those. It takes a lot of practice and work to mm. stick to those. I mean, we don't quote Ben Franklin often, but necessity is the mother of invention. So. Yes, uh, this is this, this is, is true. This has been true for at least two hundred years. So I knew I wanted to write, and you know, I thought I would teach and write in the breaks. You know, sort of the teacher's life was ideal for writing in my in my mind because that's what C.S. Lewis did. So, also just summer vacation, spring break, Christmas break, all these times where it's like, oh, you could, then you could write and there, teach, teach, teach. So my my determined plan was to uh, pursue a, probably a doctorate in literature and just be teaching and be writing. And I thought I would just do that off into the sunset. And I did not. Yeah. I, so so that's the answer. You just got, you don't care enough. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Wherever that question came from, you I have. To, it's, is it is it Seth? I believe a friend. Not not a friend, but you have to but an email friend, a dear friend. Yeah, Seth, don't let Brian besmirch you. You're a dear, dear friend. <laughs> um, it really is a question of why. Why are you doing it? And whom are you letting down when you're not pursuing it? 
ultimately the answer needs to be God. Like mm. you're letting down God. So if he's given you particular gifts and, and you feel a burden of a particular calling, you better not flake out. You know, like, mm. it's just, that's what it comes down to. If you have a great job, you know, you're putting food on the table, but you still know there's this other thing. There are these gifts and this calling that he's given you that you're going to be held to account for. Then, you know, you got to actually get into it and fight for it with those stakes. You want a well done, good and faithful servant. You don't want, why'd you bury it all in the yard, man? <laughs> like, yeah. Why'd you bury all this talent? And I have personally seen many people bury like incredible talent in the yard. And across specifically writers, are you talking all all different writers, abilities? artists, but especially writers? Mm. So there's a there's a kind of endurance that writing takes. You know, artists uh, like doing a picture, like it takes a certain amount of persistence. But you can yeah you can continue to draw or paint and do it occasionally. It can be very like the occasional art, and you still feel like you're doing it. But when you're you can't just write the occasional novel. You know, it takes it takes a certain amount of really, really determined effort going in one direction for long periods of time. And so I have seen many very, very talented writers just bury it in the yard and bury it in the yard for, for two major reasons. The reasons why I see it most often are a of they were in it because it, it brought pleasure to themselves. Um, that's where they, they enjoyed it. They enjoyed doing it. And then other things displace it. And yeah. they, they find an equal amount of pleasure in just vacation, you know, and having weekends and having their evenings. They mm -hmm. have a day job and they love the idea of watching a show with their wife at night. Guilty. Well, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I, I love that idea also. Um, and they don't actually, you know, take the midnight, midnight oil and torch it and then and get to work. Yeah. And some of the also, most, I'll go for it. This is actually probably the most common one. And this is where I could really I could really poke the eyeball. Uh, they also do not. Uh, this is, goes for male male writers, especially across the country. Some of you even know who you are. Who I know you listen to this. Um, your marriage is not good, so hmm. like she's not on board. She's jealous. She's competitive with anything that that takes your uh, creative affection, and she wants to share everything you're doing and is not on board with this pursuit. And so if you go say, babe, I'm writing tonight, you're going to be in the doghouse. Hmm. And I've seen that destroy more writers than any other thing, which is weird to say. Yeah. So that is now that's male writers and it's still destroyed more writers than any other thing. Strangely, when you see a woman who has a, a real talent for writing, and I talked to my daughter a lot about this right now, like is she, as she's now, out well, she's in college and she's looking she loves to write she loves to draw this is what she wants to do but she also you know wants to be a wife and a mother and she wants to have kids and that's going to come first so women have a different kind of of you know wishbone that they get stuck on um and it's you know it's really hard it just really is hard so it has to be secondary and for for a guy it has to be secondary to providing and for a woman you know for a man and a husband you know uh, who's actually a father, uh, it has to be secondary to providing. And for a wife and a mother, it has to be secondary to yeah. providing. I wonder if part of the reason for that, the the male thing is just how being an unpublished author in the middle of a manuscript 
you don't it's not like a respectable position i guess in some sense i've I've seen it happen to guys who have publications i've seen it okay. happen to guys who so it's um, just ba- competitive bad marriage it's just yeah she's not on she's not on board she's not actually she she wants you to go sell insurance from nine to five because that's what her dad did and uh, or that's what her dad didn't and she craves she craves that that stability um it's not always unreasonable but just means the guy's not done a sufficient job he's not done a good job clearly uh sharing that mission and that vision with his wife such that she does not own it and so he yeah. gets treated like he's cheating on her with this other thing oh um, wow and uh, you know good luck <laughs> good good luck finishing that novel yeah um so and especially when they're the food's on the table like there is food on the table you are providing you really need to have it be a team effort if you're married it needs to be a team effort this be a team vision uh if you're a mom who wants to write and you want to write for your kids and you have to be thinking about why why do i want to write why do i want to do this and you know it's like what's what's the point and ultimately it has to come back to to obey god like I'm doing this to obey God and he's given me these gifts and I'm supposed to use them and I'm supposed to use them in the correct place in my life. That uh, puts Tolkien's gravestone in perspective. I remember I jumped a fence because the grave, graveyard wasn't open and I really wanted to find his gravestone and finding that he'd put Baron and Luthien above his and his yep. wife's name it really puts it in perspective that she wasn't separate from at all his art at all. They were the same. Yep. And and yep. Uh, especially for someone who's so in their own world like Tolkien. I mean, I I hadn't thought about how unique that situation. Yep. And I actually is. I wish I could remember who this was, but somebody reached out to my wife um because they were working on a book about uh, the spouses of great and successful authors. Mm-hmm. And I I fell under, you know, under like uh sub bullet point B under successful. <laughs> <laughs> but just at least living that they could research, they could interview. Okay, yeah. And I thought, like, man, this is really insightful, actually, because it's it's funny how few people notice how key that is. Right. I mean, it is key. And you want the kind of woman, as as I have, and I'm incredibly grateful for that, when you are beat and you are down and the car's blown up and the water is coming through the roof onto your babies, that she's wondering when the next chapter is going to be done. Yeah, she's not great. asking you to go take a job with her dad. Mm. You're like, that's, but she's not trying to pull you. She's on mission. Like, and she's, she's hardcore. Yeah, and no, that support is so good. Yeah. My wife is, and it's, it's way more than support because there's, there's an accountability and there's a pressure, you yeah. know, it's a, you know, come home with your shield or on it or however that quote goes. Yeah. There's a kind of Spartan, uh, just kind of a Spartan brutality to it. Like she, she, is 100% on board with our mission, which is right. these, you know, writing books, stories, production. She's, she's the one who's asking me, like, why haven't you been in L.A. in the last couple of weeks? <laughs> like, why haven't you been down there? And it's like, well, I haven't wanted to. Yeah. And it's very much like, well, you better get down there. Like, suck it up. Right. You know, it's like it's that kind of a, Attitude. She was the one who, when she was pregnant, and I turned down a, a you know, Nat Geo thing, Nat Geo TV thing, because I was like, it's right at my due, it's right at my wife's due date. And she was 
determined. She's like, if if the baby has come, you are going. Like you have to. You can't. You can't just flake on this. Like I'll be fine. This is okay. So I, <laughs> I left when my daughter was six days old, and was gone for a long time filming in England and Israel and and uh, you know all over the place. But it was like, peace out. I'll I'll see you in a while. And then that was the one baby that had colic real bad. <laughs> so whenever so she I, whenever I called, well. there was a background of screaming. But if you don't have that, there will be times as a creator when you are like lying beaten in the ditch on the side of the road. Like it's just hard. Like it's really hard. Stuff is hard right now. Like it's hard. And if, if you want somebody who's looking at you saying, "Why are you wussing out?" Yeah. Not somebody who's saying, "Oh, I'm I'm." I support you. I affirm you. You want, why yeah. are you wussing out? Right. Like that's. Yeah. The key motivation. It's like, because they understand the value. <laughs> like you're you, working Don't you for know something. that we need to eat? And don't you know that you've been put on this earth for something specific? <laughs> and don't you know yeah. that I swore to give my life to this mission and this vision? Like I'm on board. Like I stood up in front of witnesses and swore to be on this team. And then you're going to flake. You know, like that's, it's got to be that kind of pressure. So. Which is she's funny. Never, yeah. She's never had to, it's never been those words, but I've had plenty of times where I'm waking up and she's sitting on the side of the bed and I'm destroyed. I mean, I am destroyed because it's been hard. You know, there's been long hours, crazy hours, and she's asking me like, so is it done? When's the next chapter? All you Ashdown fans out there who are waiting for chapter 16, just know, just know that I have a bee in my house that is stinging me constantly <laughs> to get that chapter out. Also, because she's receiving all these emails. She's the one that sees all the emails from people saying, where's chapter 16? It's, yeah, it's my wife managing that. And I'm like, it's almost, ah, and then I'm distracted and I'm yeah. working on something else. Um, so you really do want somebody who's uh, willing to hold that torch, that vision, and and be just as on board of not getting distracted. You don't want... And for wives out there, for for you know, for husbands and wives, if you're married to somebody who is called to do this, like this is something that they should be doing. And this these are their gifts that God gave them. And you know, they're on this earth in part to create stories. You want to be uh really, you know, it's like really, really pushing for that to happen. You know, so if if you're a husband and you know, it's like you, your wife is helping you and you have this totally other mission. Like, and she's helping you accomplish all of those things. It's like, okay, well, you did also, like you do, you do have this, this woman with these gifts and you have to, you have to, as a mom, be thinking in terms of um, how much this feeds directly into your maternal and wifely calling, like creating stories and feeding soul food to your kids is fantastic. So it is actually interesting. I can say this, and all you female writers out there can can yell at me later and call me a chauvinist. But in my experience, it has been easier. It's traditionally easier for a wife and a mom to fit in the writing life than it is for a husband and a father. Like it just, it is. It's hard. Either way, it's hard. Um, but as much work as you have as a wife and a mom, as as much of a grind as that is. Uh, and it is hard. It's very hard work. The stakes are not the same. Like they're just, they're just a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, it's, we all know that about yeah. freelance, any sort of freelance or self-governed thing. I still remember my 
high school lacrosse coach shouting at us as blue whistles and we did up downs and he was saying you think this is hard just wait till you don't have someone blowing a whistle just wait till nobody yells at you and then and then and then of course that's the same advice that they give writers all the time no one's gonna make you quit but you yep <laughs> no and, no one's and, there being yeah. like stop writing <laughs> and, well sadly there are people who do okay <laughs> and they are there are people who no one's told that to me yeah <laughs> i got it no, out you've, i have i have <laughs> So that's what I'm talking about. I've seen many, many stories where the spouse, the wife especially, is the one saying to the husband who is grinding, he's out the door and he's working, and then he's coming home and he sees the kids and he has dinner. And then they have, you know, 30, 45 minutes together. And then he's ready to go hit his desk until this manuscript's done. Um, I've seen that conversation happen often. Mm. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's like often. My wife was uniquely prepared though because she went through a childhood where her her dad built a very successful big, you know, a bunch of holdings and then in the last year Jimmy Carter, he lost all of it. Like everything was lost with spiking interest rates and other things. So he he lost a ton of real estate and a ton of stuff and was never able to quite recover. So from day 1 of our marriage, my wife has been happiest when I'm grinding. Like okay. When I'm in the yeah. grind, like she she's actually yeah. seen what it's like. Like she knows that security can't be taken for granted and yeah. that you have to build and hustle and grind and there's no promises that next year will be as good as this year. Right. Ever. Yep. You know, so she's got this prepper mentality, this prepper gene and she's never more secure or happy or joyful than when she sees me just going. Yeah, that's great. And, no, a wife, a wife who's pumped that you're working hard. I guess is a blessing. You don't always. Oh man, it sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's that's a, quite the, a blessing. Joke, yeah. No, it's fantastic. It's, yeah. it's it's an incredible blessing and it's incredible accountability. And I don't think I would have written anywhere near as much as I have already. Uh, I don't remember how old I am. I think I'm 43. I think you heard it here first. Yeah, I think I'm 43. She'll let um, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I turned 44 in August, but you know, I, I'm in my 13th novel and, uh, you know, I've got death by living notes from the Delta world. There's been a lot of production. And the reason why there's been a lot of production is because my kids needed to eat because I was paying tuition and because my wife was on board, wanting me to lay down, uh, bricks and, and building something. So. Yeah. I, I, cause people always ask, run that thought experiment. Look at this father with these kids. What if he didn't have any kids? How many more books could he write? Yeah, way less for me. Yeah, way, and, and yeah. I think that's the answer. It's yep. you're far less productive. If my schedule was wide open and I just had patronage from some rich family to just write, I wouldn't have written anywhere near as much. Yeah. There's no, there's nothing like having the lion tearing into your haunches. Like when you're, when you're, <laughs> the the, wilde, is it a wildebeest metaphor? <laughs> no, this is, I was thinking more horse and his boy. Oh, okay. When you're getting chased by the lion and the lion, like you think you're running your fastest, but you are not running your fastest. Until you, you know, get the, like, the lion claw. Just. Yeah. Until you actually feel that predator on your, on your heels. So it is, it is really, I mean, it's funny. It is really funny because sometimes in that really impacted, in that impacted space is where, you're going to actually uh, thrive and create, at least if your teammate is on board and pushing, you know? So, and it's, and for husbands, like in terms of your wife wanting to write stories, it's like, well, really, it really depends on what kind she's fascinated by. But if it, it actually, it could easily cut with the grain of all of her roles because of the nature of fiction, the nature of, 
you know, soul food and feeding imaginations. So anyway, all this to say, this is a, a very small question of how do you stay focused? Yeah. Or motivated. Keep, keep motivation. Yeah. Yeah. I also, as a side note, received a bunch of questions about why I recently, in response to, I don't remember which podcast we did, but I was talking about being scary again. Mm, yeah. That was a- uh, 100 Coverage Nightmare, whatever. Yes. I told that story. I for, I'd forgotten that I wrote that uh, article for the Atlantic Monthly about why I write scary books for children. So I could just, I just refer you all to that. And yeah. some of the same stories are in there, but- that's kind of my, my my manifesto, my treatise on why kids actually need scary stories. So that's there. That's the answer to the other. We've question. actually covered that on the pod several times. Yeah. So, but you know, people come to us like David Radford late, and mm. they they miss the first seventy three episodes, and then they join us at seventy four, and here they are listening to seventy five. They don't know the gold mine they're sitting on. <laughs> <laughs> is that what that is <laughs> that we're sitting on? It's a mine of some sort. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a mine, a pile, whatever. It's a heap. Yeah, it's, it's a, a heap, heap of something. <laughs> and we're sitting on it yeah. as we continue to lay lay yep. down a, yet another podcast. Mm -hmm. So keeping motivation, I would say let's boil this down. There's a lot of rambling narrative there, but boil it down to why are you writing? <laughs> like, right. Like why? So let's just actually talk about what your motivation is to start with. Uh, and you need to get that right. Get yeah, that. what are some bad motivations to be a writer? Fame, money. Fame. Uh, I've heard well, it not said, money. Oh, you mean wealth, like a, extravagant no, wealth. No, it can, it can be very bad motivation. Money can be a bad motivation. Okay, money, you're saying providing money, is not a bad money motivation. Money can be a great motivation. <laughs> money can be a very bad motivation. Okay, gotcha. Um, I think we know that it's, it's one of those motivators that could be either. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things like that. Then so. you just ask, why do you want the money? That's the, I mean, the if double you said, motivation. What's, what's the what's a what's a bad motivator to write? I could say the love of a woman, um, <laughs> but that also could be a great motivator. Uh, worked so. for Cyrano de Bergerac. So. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's there's there's plenty of there's plenty of motivators that could be good or bad. Mm. Uh, but I've heard it said. I've actually heard it said by novelists, and I've I've repeated it, and I've seen it elsewhere, but. I've heard it said that writing a writing a novel is the only way to fame and fortune uh, that does not involve really good looks, athletic ability, or musical talent. Uh, so you don't have to be beautiful, athletic, or talented in, or, <laughs> in order to pursue fame in this particular area. And it's really actually true. I mean, significantly more people are trying to get published every year than are trying to make the NBA. Significantly more people are trying to get published than trying to make the NFL because there's an objective, like it does get filtered out really, really quickly. Yeah. How and fast is your 40 yard dash? Yeah, how, how, <laughs> it's pretty objective. How many direct reps can you do of the 225 just like under the bench? Just go, 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 go in a row without hesitation. Uh, how good are you on the field? How good are you on the court? How tall are you? How, how high can you jump? Uh, you eliminate all that and you say, man, what in America, what is the route to fame that does not involve athletic, musical uh, talent or good looks, incredible good looks, well, I modeling think, acting? I, I think it's Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bitcoin right? is the route. But that doesn't even get you fame. That, oh, just, yeah. gets you, that just gets you the well. So fame and fortune. So, you know, we see a bunch of people trying to do it with, with uh, social media influencing. They chase it that way which is incidentally writing. They are, they are constructing a false narrative mm -hmm. to try to get to fame 
So true. And hopefully fortune. So that's a, that is a different kind of writing, a different kind of production. That's not soul food. That's no. some some other kind of. It's a it's the food for the wrong part of your soul. It's the uh, food photography folks that yeah. you know use glue, Elmer's glue yep. for the cereal milk to make oh, yeah, it look real as good. They should <laughs> make it look real tasty. Um, well, yeah, we we tell stories. We tell stories when we want to try to get everyone's attention. We want to try to get famous. Um, and that's that's actually kind of a random uh, side excursus there, but it, it circles back to you, like, what is your motive? So if your motivation is fame and fortune, uh, then that's a bad motivator, and you'll have to have kind of a massive hole in your soul to stay hungry and keep pursuing that. Yeah. You know, it's like that's... I mean, I'm thinking of all the high school kids who are crafting their their images yep. through Instagram and yep. uh, uh, TikTok. Crafting their narratives. Yeah, that's you know. that's sad. You don't want to be doing it for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. If you got the calling to be the TikTok influencer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. A couple of years ago, um, when Shinedown was in town and uh, my friend Darren was, was filming some videos for them, uh, I was involved slightly and around and it was, it was really fun and talking to them talking to brent smith and they're they are an incredibly successful rock band you know they have like massive uh he commented to me he said it's really weird that there was this change that happened when before there were fans who wanted to buy your music and they wanted to meet you and they uh you know they want you to sign the t-shirt they bought the concert or or whatever and now fans are not really fans anymore now they're showing up hoping that you will do a cameo in their 24 7 channel oh uh, so they are they arrive, it's their instagram live they arrive they yeah they arrive trying to get you into their feed and to try to pull as much of your life and mojo and gravity and followers into their feed as possible like so they they show up to stand next to you for a selfie for their instagram page they don't actually he's like often even have a question for you or want to talk it's just mm. they're just there to feed just change you. from admiration to sort of a vampiric yep it's he said it's very strange and i, I found that really interesting yeah. and it, that's what first made me realize that everybody's programming their own 24 7 channel like everybody's got their own channels on cable now and they're all programming 24 7 and frequently for very small following, but they are chasing it anyway. That's all a different form of writing and, and production. Yeah. So if you're trying to go for fame, if you're if you're like, I need to write this novel because it's the only way I'm going to get famous. And even if that's like a, a subconscious undercurrent underneath it all, you need to knock it off. Um, and then also be aware that uh, as another very successful writer once told me, being a famous author is like being a famous botanist. You know, it's like it's. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? It, it means you're not really famous. Oh, okay, gotcha. It means you can walk down the street and nobody would, you know, nobody would bother you. Nobody will know. Gotcha. It's actually really difficult. You know, it's like to get people to care. You need Tony Hawk levels of. Yeah, you need. Fandom. You need Tony Hawk. You need Scarlett Johansson. You need really, really high levels. So you know, if you are, uh, I mean, you, you could have so many big new york times bestsellers how many people would recognize harlan coben on the street none yeah yeah few very few well it's the same i would his friends <laughs> i actually would think is that harlan coben i wonder if that's harlan coben and then i would just move on <laughs> um 
that it is it's really difficult so writers can have done amazing things and be incredibly talented and incredibly successful and they're not gonna have the same kind of fame recognition plus to be honest all the dust good. jacket photos are old yeah yeah <laughs> so, so it's, it's we'd good. recognize harlan from 20 years ago yeah, exactly <laughs> but it's you know so even jk rowling could you know, if she wore a hoodie and walked down the street, I wouldn't say that's J.K. Rowling. Yeah, she'd have to really like dress for the occasion for me in to robes and a wand for, for me to recognize her. <laughs> and it's uh, it's it's really funny that way. Then you think Suzanne Collins or Stephanie Meyer. Yeah, I mean, you wrote Twilight. You wrote Hunger Games. I think I'd recognize Billy Collins probably my most. Reckon- I'd recognize Stephen King. Yeah, and then I would. And then I would, uh, you know walk over and pull one of his books off the shelf and sign it and put it back on the shelf. That's what I'd do if I saw Stephen King. <laughs> yeah, I don't even yeah, think... Yeah, I've, it, it, I've done a lot of uh, hidden signatures at, awesome. at different points. When you're in bookstores a lot and on tour and you're bored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. awesome. We'll have it's, to find it's, some. It's pretty funny. What the Put those on your Instagram. <laughs> yeah, Tag yeah. stores or soul food when yeah. you find them. Yeah, perfect. If you if you ever buy a Stephen King novel that I signed, uh, he talked. I think he talked about doing that. That's funny. So that's that's what I would do in front of him. That wouldn't just be me being malicious, <laughs> but it would be a gift. I think he'd appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, something along those lines. So, do you, are you chasing fame? Are you chasing fortune? Are you chasing? The, you want to provide for your family? Great. That's a great motivator. Yeah. Uh, you want a lake house? It's like, mm, you know, get a family, provide for your family. It's like, then get your family a lake house. Go for it. Right. Um, but, you know, lay down the right motivators. You feel empty. You don't enjoy your work. You're looking for a personal fulfillment. Ah, oh, suck it up. Mm. You know, I'm just like, okay, that can, that can be a tell that you need to be focusing on something else. But personal fulfillment is a... Yeah, maybe you need to have a kid. Yeah, personal fulfillment is a trash motivator. And having a kid is, is remarkably more significant than writing a novel. Uh, having a kid and then writing a novel for that kid. Uh, now is, we're talking. Now we're talking. Uh, now now we're coming up with with real reasons. So try to get your motivators in the best place you can. Uh, and then once you've gotten your motivation as healthy as you can and squared away as you can, then you can try to fuel it and keep it. As long as it's a little bit fragile. And then don't flake. Yep. Yeah. If you're writing out a discontentment with your other work and you think this would be more fun, then... Also, stop. That's just not going to work. You know, grass and, is always greener. Yep, and that also is not a strong enough motivation to actually accomplish uh, the, the monumental task. Yeah, of the incredibly difficult task of right. not just finishing a manuscript, but finishing a great manuscript. Yeah, and then you're going to get an ed letter from an editor mm-hmm. that's going to have to make you do it again, and you're going to do it again, and then it's going to come out, and now you have to promote it, and you have to promote it without becoming a narcissist. Mm. So. And there's plenty. If you really get into book promotion, there is nothing more humbling than book promotion. So, like, just really, the amount really, of people showing up to care and yeah, really going for it. When you when you get your first couple signings in a Costco, and you're like, "What am I doing? I'm on this book tour and I'm I'm booked for a Costco. Like, I'm going to sign in Costco, and then people are just whipping past you with." 50 pound bags of dog food in their in their carts and you're like would you like a novel <laughs> would you care for or would your dog like a novel? yeah would you would you care for a novel oh uh, and i actually really i filmed this and at some point i should drop the uh 
the video. Uh, but promoting Boys of Blur, I got booked for a number of Costco's. And finally, I just gave in. It's like, okay, this is dumb. I hate this. I, I actually really am grateful that my books are in Costco. I'm really grateful for that. Oh, uh, I remember this story. And, but I can't just, this is, this is dumb. Like, this is just dumb. Like, this is a weird contact. I'm showing up to make the stores happy, but, and I want the stores happy or the clubs, as the sales rep would call them. And, but man, this got me more fun. So I, I did. I got the hairnet, I got the apron, and then uh, brought a ton of sample sentences on toothpicks and just sat and sat there with my books and wore an apron and a hairnet and people would immediately see a sample guy would swing over and be like what <laughs> and i just i just had a blast handing out sample sentences from the book and people were very very confused and some would ask me if they do we do we eat it and i, and I would be like you may <laughs> you may you you may eat this or you can just read it and that it's what i normally do with books read <laughs> that, would, that would be fine that was, I don't even, I have no idea how many we sold, how many books we sold, but I actually had a blast. There you go. That was fun. So it can't, that's even another way of saying it can't be about you. You have to, you have to be willing to show up and, and be a bit of a spectacle and have it not be uh, dignified. <laughs> you don't get to sit there looking like Tolkien in your overcoat with your pipe. You have to be elbow little, patches. Yep. So that's uh, this has all been on kind of on motivation. Get your motivation squared away. Get them yeah. in the right place, and then get your wife on board if you're married, and or get in a writers group if you're single, and actually get some accountability and start moving. Like start moving, that's start great. moving, that's start great. moving. We haven't even talked about what you're working on. I, I think this is all this is all groundwork before you even talk about your yeah. idea. Yeah, like yeah. is the idea any good? Because that can kill your motivation too. Right. So you're, you could be a little ways into a novel and you think your motivation's dying, but it actually just the novel sucks and you don't want to, you don't want to read it anymore, let alone write it. <laughs> <laughs> the novel is dying, not your motivation. Yeah. Yep. That's also possible. That's the worst news. Yep. That'd, be, that'd be the terminal situation. Be like, fine, But, but a writer's group or your wife can tell you. Yep. Oh, this story idea is yep. no good. Uh, absolutely. Does that cover it for the day? Are we done? With we're SAS, done. SAS we're going to do more, but we did enough. We were going to do more, but we did enough. Yep. Brian says we're done, everybody. Peace. So until next time, this has been SASF75. Thanks for listening to SASF. We're very happy to have you all along on this ride with us. Appreciate all the feedback, all the questions, and all the good words from all the listeners around the country, and even some internationally. Anyways, what I got for you right now is <laughs> the announcement that Fantastical Wordcraft, N.D. Wilson's School Of, is actually on Canon Plus and available to listen to. Um, I think the last time I mentioned it, it was at some point in the future, but it's there now. So for the low, low price of 99 cents with code SASFA99, S-A-S-F-99, uh, you can pay 99 cents for your first month, watch the course, and then if you can't find anything else to listen to, you can unsubscribe. Or you can stay subscribed to continue to support us and show us the love. Anyways, you might be asking, what is the School of Fantastical Wordcraft? It's basically Nate's 10 to 15 minute talks, nine of them, plus an intro on how to tell stories. So if you've ever wanted to tell stories, nonfiction or otherwise, um, and you thought, man, I should, I should become a writer. I want to finish that novel. This is the course for you. 
Nate always says it's for kids as young as anyone who's ever said, hey, I want to be a writer when I grow up, and for adults as old as the same thing. So there you go. Some of my favorite lectures. I think the plot and outlining and story architecture chapters especially useful. And then, of course, uh, Nate's descriptions of how to write the basics are also key. Anyways, there's the pitch for N.D. Wilson's School of Fantastical Wordcraft available on Canon Plus now. You can subscribe using that code SASF99 if you're a first-time subscriber and you go to mycanonplus.com.